We're talking defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell and a little update on Devin Lloyd and Trayvon Walker. We'll do it in just a second here on Locked On Jaguars. You are Locked On Jaguars, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Locked On Jaguars podcast. I am the host of said podcast, Tony Wiggins. We're your team every day, and we thank you for making us your first listen here on Locked On Jaguars. A quick reminder that it is free to subscribe to our YouTube page. That's right. Our YouTube page is Locked On Jaguars. Make sure you check that out. And then wherever you get your audio podcast, just make sure you check in every single day to make sure you don't miss an episode. And... Tap in so you don't miss any of this good stuff we're kicking out. Shout out to the everydayers of the Locked On Jaguars podcast. We definitely appreciate you being here. And to new people, I'll tell you a little bit about me. I've been covering the team now for, I keep forgetting whether it's 13 or 14 years, but it's been a long time, right? In various ways, whether it's through terrestrial radio or here on this podcast for the last four years. So I try to give it to you organically and within the structure of the way that we like to do things, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. All right, today, so what we're going to talk about is defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell spoke uh, today um, at the presser before uh, OTA number seven, had some very, very interesting things to say, and I'm glad that he, he got out and said it because I've been thinking since last week that there were some things that I was going to actually bring up about uh, Mike Caldwell and how he's perceived or how he could be re- uh, perceived, whether this thing goes good or whether it doesn't go good. I'll talk to you about that along with Trayvon Walker doing some cross training. And then of course, Devin Lloyd, some news on Devin Lloyd and news on how Devin Lloyd is going to be uh, used, implored this particular season. And I just think that it's very, very important that, uh, folks start to understand that maybe some things that you thought weren't exactly what they are. And uh, a lot of times we believe that uh, we know, and, and I'm one of them too, that we know what's best for a guy at his positions and all of those things. Well, then you hear the coaches talk and then it's something totally different. So we'll make sure that we discuss that. But let me tell you, I'm not putting any pressure uh, to not bury the lead here. I'm not putting any pressure on Mike Caldwell to be um, great, right? I'm also not putting any pressure on Mike Caldwell to, uh, let's just say, do things uh, that that going to make him the next Dick LeBeau of, uh, you know, the NFL. That's, that's not where I am with it. But where I am with it, if you really want to know, is, is here. Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson – rightfully so, are the – they're, they're the darlings of the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, football team, fan base, and rightfully so. I am not taking anything away from them. I think they deserve all the credit that they get, Trevor being a player and Doug Peterson being a leader and really, really, really getting this thing 
uh, almost back on track to, to some sense of normalcy that was not seen here for a long time. So fans are going to absolutely love and adore both of those guys, and it's rightfully so. Now, they'll get their share of criticism. They absolutely will get their share of criticism because they were doing it last year. There were people that were criticizing Doug Peterson for everything from not using timeouts to not running the ball enough to throwing the ball in the red zone when they were inside of the five-yard line without actually knowing the reasons why they did some of these things. So I do believe that um, a part of that comes with the territory. So, you know, they know and, and, and they understand that that kind of criticism comes with the territory. The reason I brought them up when I'm talking about Mike Caldwell is this. And I think this is very, very important. If things don't go right, he's the one that no one really knows that well. And what I mean is before, everybody knows Doug Peterson. They saw Doug Peterson win a Lombardi trophy and do it with a backup quarterback. Well, Mike Caldwell was a part of a staff that won a Super Bowl, but he was a position coach. So he was the one that's a little bit unfamiliar. He's the one where everyone had a little bit of tempered expectations. And, and he was the one where, Folks were kind of like not understanding. Now, there's another person that's involved in this, and that's Trent Baalke. You, you, you could always say, well, Trent will get blamed. Well, Trent won't get blamed as long as Trevor and ETN and Cisco and all of those guys are as good as advertised like they have been because he went out and got those, those people. You're not going to get blamed for anything, especially if some of those rookies from this year start playing really well and the ones from last year start to improve. So what, the scrutiny is always going to be on – the one where you don't really see and understand uh, everything about their job. So Mike Caldwell has received a lot of scrutiny. One of the first things I'll tell you that he's received scrutiny about is this. Why are they always dropping these pass rushers in coverage? That's one thing. Well, how come they didn't line up uh, Darius Williams? How come he wasn't outside early when everybody knew that he always played better lined up outside than he did inside? And why did Trayvon take so long? Why did they take so long to put Trayvon's hand on the ground? And it seems like he started playing better. Doug Peterson said something last year. As soon as we, you know, get guys lined up in the right spots. we. And the second that he said that, nobody was talking about offense. Nobody thought for one minute that he was talking about offense. Getting guys lined up in the right spots. There were times last year when the defense had some real, real trouble stopping the run in certain games. It seems like they played better coming from behind than they did with the lead. And I thought that was the total opposite because anybody who's heard this podcast has always heard me say, I think the best um, the, the best uh, elixir, if you will, for, for them would be to play from ahead so that you can allow those young pass rushers to do a little mixing and matching or whatever. It, and then it was just constantly proved wrong time after time after time. Here's one thing I will tell you about Mike Caldwell, and we'll continue this in segment two. You can't come from behind, especially from three scores from behind, the way the Jaguars did on multiple occasions down the stretch. You can't come from behind if your defense, pay very attention, if your defense doesn't make stops. They were down 27 nothing, 27 to 7 at the halftime with the Chargers, right? The Jaguars had to score every single time, and that's what they did. And the Chargers were only held to two, were held to just two field goals. 
two. Didn't give up any touchdowns. They were putting a bunch of bad situations in the first half because I believe on three occasions the Jaguars turned the ball over in their own territory and it allowed some easy scores for the Chargers. So not everything was the fault of the defense, even when they got behind, but it just seemed that way. And they had to make a whole bunch of plays, right? They had to make a whole bunch of plays. I'm going to talk about some of the things that are going to be critical because their the schedule's getting tougher and they're going to play some really, really good quarterbacks. I'm going to talk about some things that could be very, very, very critical and why, to, to expound a little bit further on why, the folks will be ready to blame Mike Caldwell before they will anybody else, unless the unthinkable happens, and that is, is that Trevor goes out and just starts stinking it up. If he plays the way he played in the first half against the Chargers, ain't nobody blaming Mike Caldwell for that. But that I don't, we all don't believe that that's going to happen. So we're going to talk about that in segment two, along with some cross training that that has everybody. I got even the, my locked on people hit me up saying, "Wait, what are they doing?" You know, I'll explain Trayvon Walker working with um, Coach Buckner, Brinson Buckner, the uh, defensive line coach. I'll do all of that in just a second here on Locked On Jaguars on a Monday. I'm telling you, man, it is Monday, and it does it feel like Monday? Does it feel like Monday? Uh, yeah, I think it does feel like a little bit like Monday because I'm a little bit miscombobulated right now. But um, we we are going to talk about we're going to talk about the alignment of certain players, and this is why I believe this is why I believe uh, that there's going to be some 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 heavy scrutiny on Mike Caldwell. We'll do all of that in just a second here. On Lockdown Jaguars. First, I got to let you know about FanDuel, man. That's right. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. And these finals are tied up. And everybody thinks that everyone found something out. So we'll just have to see. But right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets. Did you hear what I just said? $2,000 back in bonus bets that's right man that that's a lot that is a lot like if you don't win your bet and, and you still get that much money back on a bet that you lost that's 2500 that's right man look get great promotions every day it's safe and secure app and you get paid instantly you don't have to wait visit fanduel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to two thousand five hundred dollars that's fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel is official sports betting partner of the nba and you guys have been our partners here on locked on jaguars for it seems like for a very long time like i said i had my four-year anniversary here recently so congratulations to us and i say us me and you for being here together here on locked on jaguars because it's your team every day and we thank you for always making us your first listen. I'm supposed to have something on the screen right then, and it just, I could not find it. So we'll make sure we straighten that out in the future. But alignment. One of the biggest criticisms that I hear constantly from fans is, why is everyone dropping into coverage? I mean, and everyone meaning the guys that are supposed to be rushing the passer. I even saw a message this morning when a guy says, I think the Jaguars are going to have the lowest sack totals in the league. There was a lot of thought that they would address the edge position, right? Because right before the combine and all of that stuff, Doug Peterson said that the the improving the pass rush was priority number one. But then they didn't add anyone. 
They didn't add a proven free agent. In fact, they lost Arden Key, didn't really replace him. They drafted a couple of folks that uh, that weren't really pure edge rushers. They were like tweeners uh, with all of their draft picks. So it's like this is the part where they really have to trust themselves with player development. Josh Allen isn't at OTAs because, well, he's working out on his own. I ain't, ain't going to put well, – I personally think it's because it's a, it's a power play trying to say, hey, y'all need to pay me instead of having me on this fifth-year option. Go ahead and give me an extension. But it's funny how – I'm going I'm to stop right there for a minute. It's funny how when business comes up, and I said this when he got drafted and other guys started leaving – and Josh made the point to say, I want to be here forever. I want to be a part of this community. It's easy to say that stuff when your business isn't the one on the table, right? When it's somebody else's business and you can make a nice statement to the fans and all of that, it feels good. But I said back then, if y'all been following me long enough, I said back then, let's just see what happens when his day comes up. And I've had fans tell me, not me, but I had fans say to me, I don't want him here. If he can't come here and be here doing OTAs right now, then we don't want him. It's business. It really is business. But see, it was business when Josh made that statement early. And I'm not saying he made that statement because somebody else, the somebody else I'm talking about is Yannick. I'm not saying he made that statement because of that. But the, you have to figure and factor in timing when you say stuff. Because we're going to figure and factor in timing when we hear it, right? To say that while Jan was going through whatever he was going through, endeared yourself to the fans. But now when the shoe's on the other foot, ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun. Now fans are angry that Josh Allen isn't here. Trust me, I got a lot of texts and a lot of DMs and a lot of tweets saying, just let him go because things are finally going good and and this is the year you need to buy in and be here and you're not here you know what does that say so and people have a right to, to feel that way just like he had the right to say whatever he want, wanted to say when he, he first got here right the bottom line is though all of this is going to be a reflection of one person it's the man of the hour and the man of the hour for me is mike caldwell it is all going to be about mike caldwell it is all going to be about what um, what the defense ends up doing. Last year, if you recall, I said something about Trayvon. I said nobody will care if Trayvon has anywhere between four and seven sacks. And then another guy, Hutchinson, has double digits. If the Jaguars win and they go to the playoffs. If he doesn't get a bunch of sacks and they lose, then it'll be more scrutiny. If he gets a bunch of sacks and they win, then nobody will care. They'll just say he sold out just to get his numbers up, right? Well, I talked to Trayvon. You guys heard it last week. I asked him, are you ever going to go outside of the scheme? And just, just he said, no. He interrupted me. He said, no, I'll never go outside of the scheme because I want to keep my job. And I'm going to do everything they ask me to do, whatever they ask me to do. And if you recall back in the biggest play of the year, maybe came when, well, other than the kick that won the Chargers game, but the biggest play of the year was in uh, against Tennessee last game of the season. Josh Allen drops in coverage. Rayshon Jenkins gets the sack. Josh gets a scoop sack because the ball rolls down the field. Josh runs it back for a touchdown. So we can complain about people being in coverage all day, but on the biggest play of the year, maybe the biggest play of the year, your guy was in coverage and it was something that worked. So if the, if the defense works, if they win games, great. 
then you might lose Mike Caldwell because he might become a head coach somewhere. If the season doesn't go as well as people want, they're going to blame somebody and they're going to blame the people. Unless Trevor throws 30 interceptions, they're not going to blame. Oh, that's Jameis Winston territory. I wouldn't even say 30. Let's just say 20. They're not going to blame somebody else. But if people are statistically playing well and the Jaguars are offensively in ball games and they're scoring points, but they can't stop people at critical junctures of the game, like when you need to stop the run, if they can't do it, when you need to get after the passer, if they can't do it, folks are going to look right square in the face of Mike Caldwell. And it's not because they don't know if he can coach or not, but it's going to be nine times out of 10 about how to have guys lined up and whether or not he's using the personnel correctly. Case in point. Doug Peterson said today that Trayvon Walker is going to do a little cross training. He's also going to work with Brinson Buckner, the defensive line coach. The immediate question that I got on uh, a Locked On thread from my good buddy Peter Bukowski from Locked On Packers as well as uh, Locked On Sports Today, he said, wait, are they already making him a 3-4 end, a big end, right? With the way defenses are played now, you can probably get away with alignment a little bit and because J.J. Watt was a big end in a 3-4 and he got sacks. Now, that's a big, mind you, I'm not here comparing him to that. But I am saying that guys that are high value players and people do sometimes have to play positions that don't seem conducive to putting up sacks. As long as they can still put up sacks and get sacks. You know, the great Reggie White was like the first person I ever saw from a, a three, four or some variance of that type of defense that was able to go get a bunch of sacks. And it happened. But now you're talking about two of the all time greats. You're going to put this guy in that territory. Not yet. I really think they're moving him inside or he's doing some cross training inside because when they go to certain packages that they're going to move him inside and they're going to take some of those bigger bodies off and he can do things that other guys can't do. They don't probably have another stand up edge rusher that's going to be able to put their hand on the ground. Maybe they feel like, okay, if we can get him inside and then we can take Jordan Smith or uh, Yasir Abdullah or to, to go along with Josh Allen or maybe if Caleb on, if the light comes on, where he made a couple of nice little things happen in OTAs with shorts on, that that'll be enough for them to say, look, let's just run this package, put him inside where he's big and strong and, and we don't sacrifice uh, somebody being able to play the run and present, prevent draw plays and prevent the quarterback from scrambling up the middle, that they're moving around because he is like their most versatile piece. That's what I, I get from that. I, but people automatically, because of the numbers, they're going to question again Mike Caldwell and then question the choice of Trayvon at number one is because usually when you pick a guy number one, you know exactly what he is, and, and he does that thing really, really well. And one of the things that they said that they were going to do was – they said they, they asked him to move around a lot at Georgia. They're going to let, teach him first how to play one thing. And now it seems like there's a different message being sent because it, it feels like they're teaching them how to do more than just, just that. So, yeah, it's just it's, it's just a bunch of different reasons to, to have guys weary. But one thing that is constant in this is this, and, I, and I'll say this. If he balls out and plays well and the team does well, then people won't nitpick nitpick those numbers they're not just doing it to him they're doing it to somebody else that somebody else is Devin Lloyd a second year player that has a lot to prove 
We'll talk about that in segment number three here on Locked on Jaguars. All right, segment three, just a quick recap. Going over defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell and whether or not you feel like he's under pressure, talking about Trayvon Walker and his quote-unquote cross-training and doing the extra work with the interior defensive line coach. Now we're going to talk about Devin Lloyd. I think Devin Lloyd, for as long as I've covered a team, Devin Lloyd has probably gotten more, more mileage out of discussing where he's supposed to play and how he's supposed to be used and what position he's supposed to be playing. I promise you. I I, I don't think I've had that conversation about any other player more than I've had that conversation about Devin Lloyd. I had people telling me last year, don't laugh now. I want y'all to hear it. This This is the stuff that we get, that Devin Lloyd needs to be an edge rusher and Trayvon needs to go to defensive tackle that Devin Lloyd is a hybrid safety. You heard me that at six foot three, 238 pounds, that he should be playing safety instead of Rayshon Jenkins. I've had this one that Devin Lloyd should be the primary slot receiver and they should let him guard Travis Kelsey whenever we play yeah, that he could he could also guard a, a slot receiver. Since the slot is a problem, they need to put Devin. I have had the gamut of suggestions on how this team should use Devin Lloyd. Shout out to my man Demetrius Harvey. I know that was his voice. He I know that annoying voice anywhere. I'm just joking, Demetrius. But he asked the question today. Is Devin Lloyd going to play more edge? And the reason that question was valid is because Trent Baalke said that he was going to rush the passer more. So we, that, that he could possibly rush the passer more. So you can almost tell where these questions have come from. Like if that's the key, if, if, if Doug Peterson says that we need to make sure that what we do is, you know, the priority number one basically is improving our pass rush. Okay. But then they don't go out and, and really, sell out and that and like today the bills they already got von miller but then the bills go out and, and get uh floyd the, the the outside linebacker who had nine sacks for the rams it's like leonard floyd they, it's like they're not playing around with it they're, they're, they're telegraphing and letting you know yeah we're going out and get him too so if the jaguars are not moving in that direction but have set out of their own miles that they need to improve pass rush then the only way they can improve it is by their own players improving and getting better from within. If you don't add people early in the draft and you don't, and I, and this is a discussion that I had so much with people from the before. When I was like, how do you allocate that many assets to a pass rush? Are you going to admit mistakes? Are you going to give up on guys? There's, you just cannot, you cannot allocate that, that many funds to that. Allocate, not allocate. You can't allocate something you do in court, but you can't you can't just commit that many funds to that many people at that position, right? You really can't do it now because you're coming up. You got to take care of Trevor and a whole bunch of other people. So, one of the things that we have discussed at nauseum is where does Devin Lloyd play? Demetrius asked that question today, and Mike Caldwell just flat out said he ain't no edge rusher. 
I'm paraphrasing again. But he ain't gonna sit on no edge and come off no edge. He's just not built like that to be going up and battle, battling offensive linemen. They'd rather him try to get blocked. You know, I guess you send him on a lightning package or do some stunting or something and end up trying to let a tight end or a running back block him. But they don't think that lining him up on the outside every single play to go against some tackle or, or a guard on a twist is going to set him free. And I agree with him. I never thought that kid was built for that. He said he's an inside linebacker, meaning he's not even a he's not even a will. He's not a Sam. That's what everybody kept saying, like, well, maybe they can run something different. No, that man said that kid is an inside linebacker. That's what they view him as. He's, he's the Devin White of that Bucks defense. That's what he is. He's not, he's not the Levante, David. He's the Devin White of that defense. They want him to be the captain of the defense. They want him to be smart. They want him to go sideline to sideline. Fill those gaps, flow to the ball behind the big lineman, and play assignment football. The question remains is, can he do it? And I know a lot of people compared him to Fred Warner because Fred Warner was that guy in college where he was like doing a whole bunch of different stuff. But now Fred Warner gets to the league and Fred Warner, and they were about the same size. Fred Warner, 6'2", 6'3", about 235. But now he's gained a little weight. And Fred Warner has, has now become a sideline to sideline tackling machine from the mic spot. Can Devin Lloyd take that jump? If he stays healthy, gets off to a good start, and gets an entire training camp, and Mike talked about this today. Mike said, a guy going from year one to year two, this is where they usually can make that jump. I think they really, really still like him but also think that they knew that they needed to go out and get guys who were purely downhill thumpers at the mic position. And that's why you saw them go out and get a kid from Florida this year, 51, Ventrell Miller, because you need a dude like that on your roster, just in case the dudes that you hope, like Devin Lloyd and Chad Mooma, just in case they don't turn out to be the downhill guys. Now, I think Mooma has a bunch of potential. I think he really, really flows through the ball real well. But it's all about, at this level, it's about seeing things before they happen because everybody's fast in the NFL for the most part. Everybody's athletic. But can these guys see it before it happens and understand it? I think Ventrell Miller can. I just think there's a limit to his upside based on athleticism. But this is the thing that we had to glean today from Mike Caldwell standing in front of that mic. And I was glad they finally put him up there again because this is exactly the kind of stuff that I was wanting to discuss. They're not going to blame Trevor. They're not going to blame Doug. If Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd don't develop more and are able to do more, they're going to blame the scheme. They're not going to blame those guys from an athletic standpoint because their athleticism was off the charts at the combine. They're going to blame the person putting them in uh, in these various schemes. And they're really going to harp on. I'm going to tell you what they're going to harp on. They're going to harp on. If it doesn't work out, they're going to harp on those guys dropping in the coverage all the time, which is why I asked Trayvon that question the other day because I wanted to know how he felt about it. And he gave a very, very professional answer. You guys, make sure you check out Locked on NFL, especially on Wednesdays, because on Wednesdays, that's where you see myself and James Rapine will give you that. And I'm going to continue for the rest of the week. We're going to run down more uh, as the coaches speak a little bit more, more players that should step up and the ones that we want to step up. I want to do something this week, too, about movies, right? If you could take a movie 
and use that movie as, as sort of a, what do you want to call it? An example of how you want a guy's season to go, right? A movie or a character in a movie and this season and what it means to each individual player. I'm going to pick about four or five players and four or five movies or TV shows that kind of go with the theme of what I want these players to have this year. I'm going to think I'm going to have that ready for you at least by Thursday. But until tomorrow, you guys make sure you maintain, take care of each other, and we'll see you for another episode of Locked on Jaguar.